Wouldn't it be hilarious if they made a like a remake that was like Polly Pocket and Monogamous Max and they lived together and they're roommates? Welcome to Love in Brief, an ABDL advice podcast focused on issues of love. Love for yourself, love for other people, love for your community, spiritual love, romantic love. It's like 88 keys on a brand new beautiful keyboard of nothing but love. I am Resonant Yes. And I am Road Not Taken. And we are here with a couple of our very favorite friends and guests to talk about something super important to us. So um, right before we dig into it, I am going to do a, a little bit of an announcement. If you didn't hear the special bonus episode of Love and Brief, I wanted to let you know we're going to be at CapCon 2019 coming up awfully soon. Mm-hmm. And not only are we going to be there, but we're going to be doing a live episode. <gasps> I know. Ooh. Of love in brief, and we want you to be a part of it. So, if you're going to Capcom 2019, we'll see you there. If not, please tune in for this special episode. Now, enough about that. Let's move on to our topic. So, I'm going to introduce two of our friends, and uh, we're going to dig in. I wonder first, RNT, if you would introduce our friend V. This is our friend V, otherwise known as Valentily. You can find Valentily on. That life for it, sure, and have a wonderful conversation. I've had nothing but wonderful conversations with V every time I encounter. And, and V was on a short, like a short-lived account on Tumblr before they went yes, before toes they went. up. Uh, I was going to say tits up. Well, <laughs> but then you're going to get you're gonna, you're just going to get flagged if you say tits. yeah, that's right. That's yeah, on issue. Tumblr you would. You get We're not right posting off. on there anymore. V, welcome that's to right. Love in Brief. Hi, thank you guys so much. For having me. My name is V. My name is also Valentily. Um, my pronoun is officially I don't care. I can go by lots of different things. Oh, I can't possibly mess that up. I appreciate that. Good. <laughs> yep. And I get the honor of introducing uh, V's partner, friend, companion, compatriot, and our other guest on this podcast, Changelinks. Welcome to Love and Brief. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. And tell us about the pronouns that you want us to use, because this is so far, by the by the way, the first time we've gotten to talk about specific they-them pronouns on Love and Brief. Yeah. Um, I am a they-them pronoun user. They are my favorite pronoun. And I love that. That's it. <laughs> I love that. They are my favorite pronouns. They are my favorite pronouns. That's cute. Well, we are really glad to have you. And um, so we're going to introduce the question here, and I'm really excited to get into the mix. And our question comes from Failure to Adult on Tumblr. And the question goes something like this. As someone who is disabled, I am autistic, primarily nonverbal and incontinent. I'm wondering how other disabled members of the community navigate being part of it while avoiding being fetishized by it. And I got so excited to tackle this. And um, we we spoke a bit to the issue of what it's like to be fetishized specifically for incontinence. Um, so we may not spend as much time on, on that on this episode, but if you haven't heard the incontinence episode, just dial back a couple of weeks. <laughs> um, but I want to talk to both of you about what it's like to navigate the world of ABDL when you have a disability. And as much as you're uh, willing or interested to talk to us about your experience with that disability, 
getting into the world of kink and ABDL. And I wonder, uh, valentally, if we could start with you, if you'd be willing to talk a little bit about your experience navigating ABDL with a disability. Sure. So <clears throat> I'll go ahead and, and talk about my experience for a second. My um, The technical term for my condition is uh, blind as fuck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that sounds pretty technical. Yeah. <laughs> it's very technical. Um, <laughs> So yes, I have been I have been blind as fuck since birth, and um, I um, went to my very first munch. On, I can't believe I'm gonna. It was actually on St. Patrick's Day in 2010. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll share some logistics about that. Um, so that munch was uh, hosted by someone, um, unfortunately, who is no longer with us. She was a lovely woman named uh, Sailor, and. Uh, finding that munch was how I got, uh, was how I discovered FetLife because in order to know the the logistics of how to find the munch location, I had to get in contact with Sailor and ask her, Hey, so where, where is this place? And, uh, how will I, how will I know where it is? Because, you know, I'm not going to be driving up in a car and just spotting a leather flag in the window. I need actual directions. And she gave me wonderful directions and I had a great time there. I remember my first party. I I felt like I was, I was trying to figure out how to navigate safety and how to navigate like when to arrive and how to arrive and like how to knock on the door and all these like tiny little things that I just like worried over forever. And we were wondering if there was any additional things that you had to worry over that maybe someone who was sighted wouldn't have to worry over whenever they were first encountering a party like that. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely safety is a big one because it was, uh, it was an evening munch. I mean, it, it, it was, it was in the spring, so it was, uh, it was light outside when I got there, but then it was dark when, uh, the munch ended. So, um, Fortunately, I didn't feel like I was stepping out of any kind of comfort zone when I did this, but I did ask, hey, would you guys mind walking with me to the train station? And everything was fine because about seven other people were also going to the train station. So I was fortunate enough to not feel like I was asking anything extra of people. Um, And if you know me well at all, which you probably don't, um, that's, that's a hard thing for me anyway. Yeah, I have to, like, twist her arm to, like, <laughs> so I can, like, just be a partner and, like, hey, do you need help with blah, blah? And she's like, no, I can do it myself. Can I actually tell, well, I feel like we're derailing the show, but I have a I have a very quick story about that. Please. Please share. So, I will say that definitely one of the aspects of navigating, so I consider our relationship a mixed ability relationship, me and, um, change links because I am I am blind as fuck and I'll let them talk about their experience but they also have um they also have uh an invisible disability and so one of the aspects of meshing those two experiences into a functional and sexy relationship uh that includes age play is uh trying to figure out when caretaking is done in role play and good fun and when something is going to come across as oh maybe that's a little bit too much help oh that's, that's so, interesting yeah that's so good and, and 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 the quick little story i have about that is i want to say it happened about four months ago we were sitting down um 
to have some chicken and Brussels sprouts, I believe. They, they make awesome chicken and Brussels sprouts. And um, I was just, you know, eating and, you know, just going about things. And they were like, oh, V, I really want to cut up your chicken for you, but in a littling way, not in an ableist way. Is there anything that I can do to kind of semaphore that thing that I want to do for you, that I want to get into that space with you. And I'm terrible at communicating, so I promptly blushed and looked away, and so I was like, well, there's one thing you can do. And and then they immediately caught on, and they were like, should I cut up your chicken for you, little love? Oh, <laughs> it was the accent that made the difference. It was... <laughs> And I love precious. it. It's almost like a hypnotic trigger for this one. Yeah. That's 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 a way to do it. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Oh, that's but, so good. That's and wonderful. by the way, V, thank you for reminding all of us that like everybody's sexuality is multifaceted and complex, right? So we're we happen to be on this particular episode focusing on what it's like to navigate ABDL with disability, but you're calling out that like everybody's kink is like really rich, right? And for <laughs> and for you, that accent was the semaphore that you needed that said, I'm not trying to ableist you. I'm actually really working hard to give you a rise. Like I want to little you or I want to give you something that you love. And I think that's such a great distinction. Mm-hmm. And I think... Um I think in terms of what the asker of the question said about how to navigate, um, well, they didn't specifically talk about relationships, so I don't want to just assume that that I'm answering this well, but uh, chances are you're going to end up in some sort of relationship or connection with someone who has a different experience from you. And I think it's really important to kind of set those um, markers of intentionality if, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It uh, does. And so I'm curious, Changelinks, for you, uh, we talked about this being a mixed abilities relationship. Mm-hmm. When you have to make choices about how do I little, how do I engage, how do I not be ableist, um, how do you navigate those things in order to ensure that you're approaching V with the kind of energy that you wish to approach V with? Uh, so I'm hearing from this question a little bit of an ask about my own disability and a little bit of an ask about approaching V without being an ableist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think kind of both. Like, how do you navigate your sure. own experience and how do you balance, I want to give you what you need, but I don't want to show up ableist for you? Yeah, um, so... My disability is, so among a few other mental illnesses, uh, my most disabling one is obsessive compulsive disorder. So uh, I'm uh, clinically wacko. <laughs> That's a, also a technical term. <laughs> right, yes, right, right. That is the technical Blind term. Blind is fucking clinically wacko. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you, you, guys heard doctor, you guys are talking crazy doctors. <laughs> yeah, and this, I, f- I feel like I should put in a PSA here that's like, the do not speak for all people with the no, same disability. No, I most I, certainly do not speak for all of blind kind. I will not call someone else wacko unless they're okay with being called wacko. Right, right, right. Um, one of the uh, OCD uh, triggers, obsessions I have is with um, integrity and uh, scrupulosity. And so when I 
do something that I perceive to be out of my value system and um, my brain wheels was like, oh, look, you're a hypocrite. Oh, look, you're not a good person. You're horrible. And so I tend to get really hyper fixated. And um, I think that has in the past kind of held me back from really, really, um, you know, showing up in an age play way. And as I've been with V, um, I've kind of started learning uh, her signals. And I think that has really helped me a lot. I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm hearing you right, and please correct me if I got it wrong, but that over time, like, you may have a number of codes for things that you're doing right or wrong, but that V has her own set of signals yeah. that indicate whether or not you're doing something right or wrong and that you over time learn to adopt those signals. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing for me is, um, my primary uh, treatment for OCD was, um, a system called dialectical behavioral therapy, which is an offshoot of cognitive behavioral therapy. And, um, we don't have a lot of show time, so I won't go into it too much, but one of the, uh, one of the things I learned in my, uh, dialectical, dialectical behavioral therapy program was um, how to avoid uh, what's called making up a story. So like, you know how sometimes maybe you see someone that you recognize and you like want to wave and you're like, oh, hi, and they don't wave back. And there's really no way to know why they didn't wave back, but it's really easy to be like, oh, maybe they're mad at me. Uh, maybe they hate me now, da, 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 whatever. And what I learned in DBT is... Um, a good way to regulate yourself emotionally and be mindful is to um, take what you experience at, you know, as it is and accept it as it is until you have all the facts. So that kind of got me into this mode of, okay, I don't know how someone's feeling unless they tell me. Um, that doesn't always work because it sort of presumes that every party in question is uh, extremely articulate about their yeah. moods and feelings. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I can go into all the things I learned with DBT about like, you know, de-escalating all this stuff. But what I, what I had to learn was the fact is that um, I'm being told what the feeling is. I just don't know the signal. So I have to learn the signal and I did. Um, but when I didn't know what I would do is just kind of be stuck all the time. That makes total sense to me. That, yes. And so what I find really intriguing is we've talked with others and with R&T specifically about um, what it's like to try and navigate social situations when you're feeling particularly anxious about those situations. And um, that one of the tricks that we've talked about on Love and Brief before is that you may not actually know what's going on inside of somebody else's head, um, but but your your head gets filled with all kinds of stories, as you put it, about those things. And I can imagine, in a e- even in our marriage, how many times we've done that. Um, much less when you're dealing with disability like OCD, where maybe it's you know. M- much more intense and you have to navigate that in real time 
while you're trying to engage with a partner or with a party or a group of people. And I'm curious how you have walked that out. Can I um, cut in for two yeah, seconds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the big... Um, Everyone likes to say the the cliche about communication is key, but I don't usually hear a lot of nuts and bolts on on how that works. Uh, So I will give you a a couple of nuts and bolts of uh, sometimes how how we will talk about things in our relationship. One of the biggest questions that we ask each other is, what do you need from me right now? Or do you need anything from me right now? Hmm. Um, Because I'm finding that when you're in, of course, this this applies to all relationships, but especially when you're in a relationship that contains mixed abilities, not, o- not only is it important to communicate what your needs are, but to, to communicate what your needs are not. That's Does that a, make any sense? Yeah, that's a that's really, really great really distinction. Good. Can you yeah. talk more about communicating what your needs are not? <laughs> okay, your turn. You can tell the live story if you want to tell the live story. Oh, God. Well, I'll just tell it in a nutshell where, like, um, I think V asked me uh, to either wait with her at the station or um, something like that. And I was really hesitant, but I didn't want to say no because I had it in my head that, like, like I knew in my head, like, okay, if I say no, V can get herself home. But then... I had this other part of me that was like, you're a bad partner if you ditch your partner at the station and like, you know, all this other stuff about like, oh, if someone asks for something and they're disabled and you say no, then you're ableist. That was something that uh, has been poured into my OCD cup, as it were, by past bullshit. Uh, And what ended up happening was I could have just said no and it would have been fine and nothing bad would have happened. And V could have just taken a lift home from the station and it wouldn't have been a problem. Uh, instead, I fought with myself about it and made her super uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Is it fair to say that that both disabilities were at play in that moment? Yes. Yes. <laughs> or at least, if if not necessarily the, you know, the blindness fuck being part of it, the, mm-hmm. the logistics of just carrying that experience around. So, RNT, I want to I, I know you have a burning question. I want to leave space for here. But. Oh, I did I did have a question. Okay. It, it was it's going to take us back a few steps though, if you guys don't mind. No worry. Mm-hmm. Okay, um so my question was whenever we were first talking about um accidentally doing something ableist to your partner that uh you didn't want to do that you didn't want to um hurt their feelings by doing. I was wondering if you guys would talk um, both about, both talk about uh, what it, more what it feels like to have that unintentionally done to you or to unintentionally do that to your partner. Just kind of more, um, not the practical aspects of it, but just more what it, what the feeling is in those situations. I think this specific emotional experience that you're talking about has a whole lot of equivalence uh, that can apply to all kinds of different relationships, right? Like, so not just, you know, ability, I mean, um, mixed ability relationships. Um, everyone kind of feels like shit when they hurt their partner unintentionally. Um, I know that any time that I'm, and, you know, again, I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking of a specific experience where I was ableist around OCD, although I'm sure there are plenty of examples. Um, 
it doesn't feel good at all. You feel like you've let them down in the absolute worst possible way. Like, I think, I think for me, it's like, oh, you know, I, I, I just, I took the, um, I took the worst thing I could possibly um, poison you with and just made you drink a whole big cup of it. That's a great metaphor. So my question is, um, I know that disability is a very wide-ranging spectrum. Um, So with that on the table, you can only speak to your own experience, but is there anything that you would tell people who are more typically abled that who are in the ABDL kink about how to think about opening their, their minds or their practices to people with disabilities. The, 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 the biggest and most common mistake that people make about um, people with disabilities in, in any you know, vanilla or kink space is they assume that uh, they assume lots of different things. I won't go into all of them, but don't assume. And, um, don't be afraid to ask questions, but also be a little bit thoughtful and mindful of the questions that you want to ask and why you want to ask and um, how you are going to ask. Uh, because there are questions that um, there are questions that um, I get on a fairly regular basis that I'm really sick of having to answer. Don't don't be afraid to put a little more thought into your interaction because you know as someone who has to answer those questions all the time, it is really refreshing to meet someone who doesn't, but who is also not going to as- assume that you know I need things I don't need or I live a way that I don't live. That's really good. That is that's wonderful. Change looks. How about you? It it's really easy to forget as like if you're raised as an abled person whatever that means to you um it's really easy to forget that you know whatever experience you're learning about is not monolithic and so like you know these blind chrissy's blind uh they have very different preferences (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I can't take what I learned from V as the blind textbook and like slap it on Chrissy. That does not work yeah. at all. That's very good. Because call out. they're like two different people. And, you know, it's easy for me to be like, oh, she likes audio things because she's blind. Da, 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 da. Like, she likes this because she likes it. Like, right. Whatever. I like audio things because I like accents. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, that's it, it's, an entirely different thing. You can, you have, know, what I, you know? I think what what happens with people when they go into an interaction with someone who has a different experience from them that they don't know very well is they just come into it with this like, oh, I'm going to learn about the experience. It's like, no, you're learning about that person's experience. You're learning about yeah. that person's needs, and yeah, it's going to be touched by their disability. That doesn't mean that. It's like, uh, this is not like disability jelly that you can spread all over your sandwich. (laughs) Okay, Mako. Where can I buy disability jelly? That sounds Uh, um, just... Come right to our house. We make it. (laughs) Terrific. Uh, Can I I toss in one more little point? And this is getting super long, but... Yeah. um, For for those who don't know, um, people with disabilities have sex. What? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry to, to like disappoint everybody, but there, there's this big misconception that goes around. Then I have I have a lot of friends uh, in the kink community and in the vanilla community that have to deal with this weird assumption that 
um, if you're blind or in a wheelchair or in, in some have some other different experience going on, that you don't that you don't have a sexuality, mm. and that you don't have you don't have sex and you don't have preferences. And I'm I'm here to tell you that that is a load of crap. And um, we're out there and we're we're sexing it up and uh, it's good. And yeah, I can put a couple things in the show notes about how that's not true. <laughs> All right, there's going to be some dog. sexy ass show notes. Well, that's wonderful. <laughs> that's wonderful because my question is about sex. Go so, go. Um. So our our original ask, uh, I think, mentioned uh, fetishizing disability, and I actually I had a question. Um, do either of you do you feel like? I guess this is sort of a, a multiple choice, or like it could be all of them. But do you either sort of push against your disability? Do you accept it into your kinky play, or does it just not play a part at all? I don't personally involve it but i know folks um who have disabilities who do involve it um i don't i don't involve it i choose not to involve it um because it it um it hits on some stuff from my childhood that was that was not really good so i tend to avoid that changelings how about for you does it does it work its way into your play i mean there are certain things i guess someone might you know incorporate into their play with like um, you know, a disability that isn't mine, um, maybe something that's more uh, embodied, I guess, more physical, more apparent. Uh, I don't find my OCD to be particularly sexy. In fact, it gets in the way of a lot of things that I want to do sexually. Um, so I would, I would also put that as a no. Have either of you had experiences where other people thought it was sexy and tried to bring it into your play? Um, once upon a when, I got a message from someone on FetLife, and the message itself was kind of innocuous. Um, it was very obvious that he was trying to hit on me and start something sexy with me. Um, so I looked at his profile, and I looked at his about me, and his fetish list was full of uh, blind fetish stuff. Um, the entire premise of his about me was uh, disability makes you more feminine and I'm into that and I was very much not into that so um, I did not engage with that person as a matter of fact I blocked that person I didn't say one word to them and I kind of just selected out of that entire interaction <laughs> I, I've more had people uh, fetishize my OCD in a vanilla context in the sense of like oh you know use this to your advantage at XYZ task use this to get ahead in your career use this to get ahead in your paper and like you know when I was in grad school one thing um, that was you know I guess my my this pathology benefited me in a way because I would get all my work done as quickly as possible because I didn't want to hang over my head. And people would be like, wow, you're so lucky you can work so fast. I'm like, yeah, and I don't know how to rest. Yeah, yeah. and I'm so lucky that I don't have to drive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Good on you. It kind of feels like, so our daughter um, has type 1 and uh, diabetes, and it sort of feels like when kids tell her, you're so lucky that you get woken up in the middle of the night and you get to eat Skittles. And she's like, <gasps> I yeah. have to wake up in the middle of the night. <laughs> right. yeah. oh, I promise it's not better than having a pancreas that works. Don't I eat promise these Skittles, you. I will die. It's yeah. not that fun. Like she, So it feels a little bit like that. So at the, at the same time, I will say, 
um, as somebody who has been on the other side, I like until my daughter had diabetes, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know that there's type one and type two and eating Skittles in the middle of the night sounded great. And likewise, like I carry with me all of these tremendously, um, p- potentially well-meaning, but super ignorant viewpoints. And I just, I want to like both confess that and acknowledge that probably a lot of people who listen to Love and Brief are hearing some of these ideas for the first time, including me, right? Like I just this week made a massive mistake with somebody who has autism and um, I said something that was super ableist and I didn't mean to. It was a carryover from 10 years ago when our language was very different. And in that moment, um, I realized how far... I have to go and will constantly have to go to understand the wide experience of people living with various disabilities. And so I just encourage the folks who are listening who may not share these disabilities or may not have any disability that um, it's not that you're a bad human, but there is an opportunity to learn and grow. And folks like V and like Changelinks don't have any obligation to educate us. And yet they've chosen to do that, uh, for which I am just so grateful. So thank you. Um, I hope that this discussion continues. We have touched on two experiences from two viewpoints from two different disabilities that are unlike any other experiences or disabilities. As you said, it's not monolithic. So I hope we continue this dialogue. And I'm just so grateful that you took the time you didn't have to, but to talk about what what you deal with and what it's like being a person living with a disability who is engaged in ABDL. So thank you. Oh, thank you guys. Thanks for having us. All right. This has been Love in Brief. If you'd like to get in touch with us, we have um, an email address. It is loveinbrief at gmail.com. Is that correct? <laughs> okay. Yes, that's correct. Also, you can find us on FetLife. We are... Um, Resident Yes and Road Not Taken, and we have a um, a thread going that is called Love and Brief. We do. We have a group, even. And a group. A whole family. We group. also have a group. And if you want to email us questions, or if you're an expert on something, you know, send us a message, um, preferably to RY. He is a lot faster at responding. This is true. Um, and also, he will respond to your emails. And um, Instagram. Tumblr. Instagram is a thing that we do, and Tumblr is also a thing that we do, but not as much as we Instagram because now we are Insta people. And um, Snapchat, which we don't have. I'm we just don't saying. Have Snapchat. I, I've heard it's a thing. Uh, Kick is a thing. Pokemon Go, also a thing. And Neopets used to be a thing, and Neopets it's coming back. Neopets were a thing. Um, so Icebergs used to be a thing. They're not anymore. No, not anymore. Any other things that used to be things? Mammoths. Icebergs. <laughs> <laughs> This has been Love in Brief.